In Hebrews 1 verse 3, it says that God is the ra- or Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And that's talking about a word that we hear all the time in our culture, God's providence. But what does that mean? What is God's providence? Join me today for Creeds and Deeds as we learn about God's providence. Reformed and Evangelical, Confessional and Missional. Welcome to Creeds and Deeds. Hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 106, verses 1 through 10. Praise the Lord. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praise? Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them that I may look upon the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. Both we and our fathers have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember your abundance or the abundance of your steadfast love. But they rebelled by the sea, at the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it became dry, and he led them through the deep as through a desert. So he saved them from the hand of the foe, and redeemed them from the power of the enemy. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Westminster Shorter Catechism, questions 49 through 52. Question 49. What is the second commandment? Answer. The second commandment is, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Question 50. What is required in the second commandment? The second commandment requires the receiving observing and keeping pure and entire all such religious worship and ordinances as God has appointed in his word. Scripture proof, Matthew 28, verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Question 51. What is forbidden in the second commandment? Answer. The second commandment forbiddeth the worshiping of God by images or any other way not appointed in his word. Scripture proof. Colossians 2 verses 18 through 23. 
Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in details about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that perish as they are used, according to the human precepts and teachings? These have indeed appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Question 52. What are the reasons annexed to the second commandment? The reasons annexed to the second commandment are God's sovereignty over us, his propriety in us, and the zeal he has to his own worship. Scripture proof. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 22. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All right, today we're going to learn about God's providence from the Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 5, which is titled, Of Providence. 1. God, who created everything and upholds every, also holds, upholds everything, He directs, regulates, and governs every creature, action, and thing, from the greatest to the least, by His completely wise and holy providence. He does so in accordance with his infallible foreknowledge and the voluntary, unchangeable purpose of his own will, all to the praise of his glory in his wisdom, power, justice, goodness, and mercy. Uh, so I was listening to uh, John, uh, Pastor John Piper. He has a podcast called Ask Pastor John. And somebody asked a question the other day about God's providence. And in the question, they had a quote from, uh, I don't know who, uh, some Christian that said something to the effect of, oh, God's providence is like a, or God's sovereignty is like a cruise ship. You're on the cruise ship and you know the destination, but while you're on the cruise ship, you have free will to do what you want on it. And you can either do good things or bad things. And he's asking if that's true. And Pastor John Piper's like, no, that's not true because God does everything. He or he foreordains everything um, in order to uh, see. I'm sorry. He foreordains everything for His purpose and for His will, uh, from the greatest to the least. And you see that in the Bible, where Matt, where Jesus is talking in. Uh, Oh, I don't remember which one of the Gospels. And one of the Gospels, anyways, about how, you know, it's not a sparrow sold for a penny, but one cannot fall from the sky without God allowing it or God doing it. So God does everything. Even the th- thing is a small sparrow deciding if it lives or dies. is ordained by God. So we know that that's not the case. God ordains everything from the greatest to the smallest. All right. Two. God is the first cause, and in relationship to him, everything happens unchangeably and infallibly. However, by this same providence, he orders things to happen from secondary causes. As a result of 
these secondary causes, some things must inevitably happen. Others may or may not happen depending on the voluntary intentions of the agents involved. And some things do not have to happen that may depending on other conditions. So what this is saying is, is that God foreordains first causes, but he also creates and allows the second causes. So he ordains everything, but his actions, he doesn't act based on the fact that, oh, if I do this, this might happen. No, he's the one that causes everything to happen. And so he sometimes allows something to happen or stops something to happen or makes it so that something will happen if something else happens. So, um, but that's all done by God. All right. Three, God uses ordinary means to work out his providence day by day. But as he pleases, he may work without, beyond, or contrary to these means. So what that means is, is God, for the most part, works within the ordinary means that things happen. So if you look through the Bible, there's only like a few times that you see something happen that, that's like out of the normal order of things. For instance, when the donkey talks in the uh, prophets. Other than that, you know, like you see a few things like that, but it's very rare. Usually the things that happen, happen out of a normal uh, order of things. And we see that in our life too. Usually we have blessings that come and we have, uh, you know, consequences for our sin, but they don't happen by God just striking us down usually or just suddenly, you know, popping a million dollars into the seat next to us. But that usually happens in uh, the normal order of things. We get these blessings and stuff. All right, God's providence, uh, this is number four. God's providence reveals his almighty power, unknowable wisdom, and infinite goodness. His providence extends even to the fall and to all other sins of angels and men. These sins are not simply allowed by God, but are bound, ordered, and governed by him in the fullness of his wisdom and power so that they fulfill, fulfill his only his own holy purposes however the sinfulness still belongs to the creature and does not proceed from god whose holy righteousness does not cannot and cannot cause or approve sin so it's saying there that his providence extends even to the fall and even to sins but he doesn't ordain the sins however he does um order the world and he's used those sins Uh, for his purposes. All right, five. In the fullness of his wisdom, righteousness, and grace, God often allows his own children to be tempted in various ways and for a time to pursue the corruption of their own hearts. God does this to chastise them for their previous sins and to reveal to them the hidden strength of corruption and deceitfulness in their hearts so that they may be humbled. In addition to various other just and holy results, believers are thereby raised to a closer and more constant dependence on God for their support and are also made more alert in detecting and resisting opportunities to sin. All right, and so that you just see there that God is uh, sovereign over even, uh, like because I was saying he's sovereign over even our sins. Sometimes he gives us up to the deceit of our hearts and the lust of our hearts and lets us fall into sin so that we realize the corruptness of our heart. We see how much we need Jesus and we see how much we depend on him and we understand how 
uh, just vile we are without God. And that brings us closer to him and causes us in the future to be more able to resist sin and more ready to rely completely on him. All right, number six. It is different for the wicked and the ungodly. As a punishment for their previous sins, God, the righteous judge, spiritually blinds and hardens them in their own sinfulness. From them, God God not only withdraws his grace, but by which they might have been spiritually enlightened, but sometimes he also withdraws whatever gift of spiritual understanding they already had and deliberately exposes them to the opportunities for sinning which their corrupt nature naturally seeks. He thereby gives them over to their own desires, to the temptations of the world, and to the power of Satan. And so it happens that they harden themselves even under the circumstances which God uses to soften others. So it's saying for the ungodly, sometimes he gives them over to sin to just let them harden themselves. And you see that in the Bible, uh, in Romans 1, it really describes this well, that God, uh, because they refused to acknowledge them, God gave them up to the, their lusts and hardened their hearts. So um, that's why you see people that are so bent on their sin and why their sin sometimes becomes their entire identity of who they are. All right, um, and then number seven, just as the providence of God in general extends to every creature, so in a very special way it takes care of his church and orders all things for its good. All right, so God's providence extends to everything. Every leaf, every blade of grass, every sparrow is under God's providence and his sovereignty. But in a special way, he extends a special measure of grace to his church in order to sustain it, strengthen it, and keep it throughout all the generations. And now, let's go to the Lord together. So still your heart and your mind, turn your focus to Christ, come before the throne of grace, before the throne of the Father, and let's go to him in prayer. And to prepare our hearts and our minds for this verse from A Method for Prayer by Matthew Henry. It is our wisdom and duty to begin every day with God. In the morning, we are most free from company and business. So we should give him fresh thanksgivings and fresh meditations on his beauties. In the morning, as we prepare for the work of the day, let us commit it all to God. So now, as you listen to this, get your heart ready so that you can give God fresh thanksgivings today and you can spend time meditating on his word. Christian meditation and meditating on the scriptures will take you way deeper than any self-awareness or uh, Eastern meditation will. So as we go through these, meditate on these scriptures, hear what God's trying to tell you, and listen to Him, and reply to Him, respond to Him in thanksgiving and praise. And then commit your day to God, whatever you're going through, Commit it to God. Let's begin with a verse for worship. 
Psalm 66, 1 through 4. Shout joyfully to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of His name. Make His praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Because of the greatness of your power, your enemies will give feigned obedience to you. All the earth will worship you and will sing praises to you. They will sing praises to your name. And now, for confession, let's confess our sins to God and ask Him to give us a contrite heart so that we can be so we can repent of our sins and turn away from them and trust in Jesus for our forgiveness. Hear this quote from John Owen from his book on the mortification of sin. Say to your soul, what have I done? What love, what mercy, what blood, what grace have I despised and trampled on? Is this the return I make to the Father for His love, to the Son for His blood, to the Holy Ghost for His grace? Do I thus requite the Lord? Have I dealt the heart that Christ died to wash, that the Blessed Spirit has chose to dwell in, and can I keep myself out of the dust? What can I say to the dear Lord Jesus? How shall I, shall I hold up my head with any boldness before him? Do I account communion with him of so little value that for this vile lust's sake I have scarce left him any room in my heart? How shall I escape if I neglect so great salvation? In the meantime, what shall I say to the Lord? Love, mercy, grace, goodness, peace, joy, consolation, I have despised them all and esteemed them as a thing of naught, that I might harbor a lust in my heart. Have I obtained a view of God's fatherly countenance, that I might behold his face and provoke him to his face? Was my soul washed, that room might be made new, made for new delements? Shall I endeavor to disappoint the end of the death of Christ? Shall I daily grieve that spirit whereby I am sealed to the day of redemption? And now a verse for thanksgiving with a gracious heart, with a heart that's overfilling with gratitude for God or to God. Let's give thanks to him. Hear this verse from Psalm 33, verses 1 through 5. Sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. And now, with your hearts and minds, 
focused on God and in a right state of mind, let's bring our supplications and requests to Him. Here's a verse to get you started. Psalm 33, verses 20 and through 22. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart rejoices in Him because we trust in His holy name. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us according as we have hoped in you. And now, listen to this prayer from the Valley of Vision Daily Devotional entitled Privileges. Join me in this prayer. O Lord God, teach me to know that grace precedes, accompanies, and follows my salvation, that it sustains the redeemed soul that not one link of its chain can ever break. From Calvary's cross, wave upon wave of grace reaches me, deals with my sin, washes me clean, renews my heart, strengthens my will, draws out my affection, kindles a flame in my soul, rules throughout my inner man, consecrates my every thought, word, work, teaches me thy immeasurable love. How great are my privileges in Christ Jesus. Without him, I stand far off, a stranger, an outcast. In him, I draw near and touch his kingly scepter. Without him, I dare not lift up my guilty eyes. In him, I gaze upon my father, God, and friend. Without him, I hide my lips in trembling shame. In him, I open my mouth in petition and praise. Without him, all his wrath, all is wrath and consuming fire. In him is all love and the repose of my soul. Without him is gaping hell below me and eternal anguish. In him, its gates are barred to me by his precious blood. Without him, darkness spreads its horrors in front. In him, an eternity of glory is my boundless horizon. Without him, all within me is terror and dismay. In him, every accusation is charmed into joy and peace. Without him, all things external call for my condemnation. In him, they minister to my comfort and are to be enjoyed with thanksgiving. Praise be to thee for grace and the unspeakable gift of Jesus. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.